Barnes has stayed back for Arsenal. Look at the pace here of Michael Owen again. It's there! Michael Owen strikes again! Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Kicking the Balls podcast. My name is Harry Hedges and of course I'm joined by my good pal and co-host Mr Tom Hallam. Hello mate. Hello mate. I'm all, how are you doing? I'm very, I didn't actually ask you how you were but I'm very well thank you. How are you? <laughs> yeah, did, you did you notice how I automatically answered? I started to say I'm all good and then I realised you didn't actually ask me. <laughs> Uh, that, uh, what's worse? Is that what worse than you know when someone responds in that way? Or what I think the, the classic worst is like, "Hey, dude, mate, you're right." The other person goes, "Yeah, I'm right." You and you go, "Yeah, you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, is, sometimes there's a bit of a three ball. Sometimes, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. My small talk in the office in the mornings is pretty bad sometimes with stuff like that. <laughs> On the third time, like, so if you've done you twice, and in that moment when you realise, oh shit, I've already. <laughs> <laughs> he has a, just has a walk, and the guy won't respond because it's like you've already asked. He's just got to walk quietly over to your chair. <laughs> yeah, you, you actually you did give me that, but yeah, no, I'm all good. How are you doing? I'm very. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sad. I've just found out that my uh, my job basically is going to start again. So my uh, the gyms are reopening. So personal training in one, on a one to one basis is commencing, which is uh, yeah, exciting. I guess it's uh, good news. Four months. Four, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, four months away from something. It's. Uh, I was actually talking to um, a couple of the boys down there, and he, they were saying like, it's, it's actually going to be weird because four months is enough just for that to be the new norm. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. They could. Uh, well, might have some more home gyms rather than actual gyms at the moment. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting what we go back to really. But yeah, there's lots on. Obviously, I've got the online stuff as well. So there's loads of loads of um, game time. But I suppose we've been waiting for this. But um, you okay? Yeah, you enjoy, enjoyed the football this week. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you're not going to ask me about the commentary. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to, to apologise. I'm a teeny weeny a bit distracted because my puppy, who, of course, has been enjoying lockdown, having lots of attention throughout the whole entire day. I've actually left her for about five hours today. Come in, she's been very attention-seeking, and she's sort of hovering by the window, which tends to be when she barks quite a lot. So I'm a bit wary of her barking, but you're not going to bark. You're going to be a good girl, aren't you? I'm going to keep stroking her to keep her a good girl. Commentary, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm thinking it was Michael Owen in, was it the FA Cup final I'm going to go for? Okay, uh, what was specifically, which, not necessarily the year, but what what FA Cup final? It was against Arsenal, Arsenal went 1-0 up and then I think Michael Owen scored two late-ish goals to win it 2-1. That's the correct answer, it's the second one, well, yeah, did, was, was the whisper of Tony Adams uh, something for you there? Yeah, did it say something about the Michael Owen sort of, Exposing the pace of the back line of Arsenal or something like that. Yeah, I heard him say Adams, which I thought maybe might have been a quite a helping one for you. Yeah, that was an annoying game that was because even Steve, Stephen Gerrard did an interview about it not so long ago and like we absolutely battered them in that game. Like <laughs> It could have been like Omri like, missed an open goal, like which I think never happened ever other than that day. Um, I can't remember who scored for us. I think it was, it was Martin Perez. Oh, yeah, we were in Lundberg, actually. But then... Um, yeah, and then they like scored like the 88th minute, the 92nd minute, won the FA Cup, and that was that. And that was kind of when the FA Cup was a bit of a big deal. <laughs> like, kind of uh, lost its. Well, has it lost its charm? We haven't. We have not planned to talk about it, by the way. But I'm just putting Tom on a spot. Has it lost its charm? The FA Cup. Uh, for me, it hasn't. No. I, okay. I. I mean, speaking from a Spurs fan who we haven't won any uh, silverware for a long time, I'd love to pick up the FA Cup. And I think there was a few years in a row that you won, and everyone tried to sort of downplay and say, oh, it's not that big a trophy anymore. And I was sort of like, that's, I thought, I think winning the FA Cup still is, 
is still a big thing. I don't. Maybe it's not as big as it used to be, but I, and it has. I remember. I remember we. Um, I think we won. I think we won it three years out of five, didn't we? Or three years out of six, or something. And yeah. it was like it did become a bit like the gym a little bit and being on lockdown. It did become a bit like the norm. It was like, oh, the FA Cup. So I guess it does dilute a little bit the more you win it. Like Liverpool won the, say Liverpool won the Champions League again this year, last year, they didn't win the league. The reason the league was special is because they didn't win it last year, wasn't it? There is that element to it. But yeah, I think you're right. If they haven't won it, it's definitely not as big as it used to be in the sense of, because it used to be just like the only game that was on the telly, the FA Cup final, wasn't it? So of course it was a massive affair back then. Um, I just, yeah, I think the Champions League and the Premiership have just really excelled and the the magic of the FA Cup sort of been left behind, which is a shame because it's all the giant killings is such. It's sort of like a British. Uh, yeah, yeah, like the giant killings not such a big deal now because the big sides play weakened teams, didn't they? Yeah, so yeah. kind of like if Rosary beat Man United, and Man United have got like you know eleven reserve players on. Well, Trosby should be it should be a bit closer, shouldn't it? You know, it's not quite as, as big as that. But yeah, okay. Just a, well, actually, that will actually lead us into what we're talking about a bit later about how the game's changing a little bit and not necessarily for a positive, but. Um, We'll roll with that in a bit. Um, who won the? Uh, who won our little scorecasting? I know the answer. I was asking. Yeah, Tom. I know. I, I know exactly what you're doing, mate. Um, so you edged me out just again. We, it's quite interesting how neither of us have actually completely smashed the other one. But you, you've edged me eight seven uh, in last week's predictions, thanks to uh, the combination Lovely. Lovely. of and Spurs. So, so what? Oh yeah, so yeah, I think I won on the face on the basis that I picked Sheffield United and you picked Spurs, and um, I picked Arsenal and you picked Wolves, which uh, makes it all more, all more pleasurable. So, what's your tipple? Uh, well, I don't <laughs> I know have... the answer as well. Yeah. I, know, I know the answer as well. I'm just showing you up. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so I I haven't got a shot for punishment yet. And sorry, what? Sorry, doing... sorry but, the, but the game the game is to you do yeah, a shot if you lose. I know. I know, and you know what I'm doing. Uh, we are going to go. I'm going to offer you double or quits, and we're going to do on double or quits on North London Derby, which is uh, this coming Sunday. Yeah, nice. I'll take Tottenham. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's and if it's a draw, I'll do my. I'll just do a single my shot for this week. Yeah. Okay. No, that sounds good. So you're going to do a double next week if the Goons bring points home. Yeah. So I'll be confident enough that we. Uh, I won't be uh, doing anything, mate. So. <laughs> Well, with, uh, we're going to touch on it in a minute, but with how, ha- how happy your uh, your sort of team is at the moment with yeah. each other, goalkeepers and, and wingers, it's, uh, well, we'll see, won't we? Hopefully there's no dust up again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose, I suppose we were going to talk about that. Should we just, should we, should we just talk about that now as we're on it? Yeah, we, we might as well. There's no point going, we'll talk about it in five, five or ten minutes. Um, yeah, well, would you want to talk about North London derby, or do you just want to talk about that incident you just referred to? Uh, no, that, that, that incident, because um, I think we're going to talk about whether that's a good thing in the game or not, players falling out with each other. Um, I must admit, I didn't see the incident. Can you put a bit of context in it for me, please, Tom? I know they had a bit of a dust-up. So uh, what happened is, I think it was in stoppage time of the first half. Spurs made were on a bit of a break. Uh, loose ball uh, got intercepted by... Everton defender, and as a result, they almost scored from it. And then um, about half a minute later, half-time whistle goes. I actually nipped to the toilet, and uh, I came back, and Jelly was like, "Um, you're not going to believe what I'm just about to say, but Larice and Son were just fighting at half-time. I was like, oh, okay. I thought, um, you play a, I thought you were going to play the Wenger card there. I didn't see it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, basically, Lloris was pretty pissed off with Son because after the Everton player 
made the interception. Uh, he didn't track back or anything like that. And Larice was not at all happy with with that. And uh, they didn't see eye to eye about it, and they had to, had to be separated by a few Spurs players. Which um, okay, I know exactly my verdict on this. Go on. On whether that's a healthy thing or not. In my opinion, that is not a healthy thing to do on the pitch. I think you get that's what the changing room is for. I think that's what after the game is for. I think if you do that on the pitch, it's okay. I'm saying like, can't do one, mate, or whatever. But if you actually sort of come into blows, forward slash, clearly showing disdain at each other, I think that shows a potential weakness in the camp. Happens by closed doors. Closed doors, right? Like no one, no one needs to see it. You can, yeah, especially if it's bloody half time. Just do it in the changing room, you know. Like because people are going to talk about it in the press conference. I mean, Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer remember to this day, don't we? So, like, I, I think it's. I, I'm all for people falling out of each other because it's a, you know, it's a competitive sport, and you should have a difference of opinion sometimes. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if someone's being lazy or Laurie's going over the top, but I think if it's that bad that you have to do it on the pitch. They probably don't like each other that much in real life. Um, I, in real, I mean, in real, in real life, I mean, it's not a fake thing, but like, you know, what I mean, like, in, uh, they're probably not biggest because if you, do you know what I mean? Like if you fall out with someone, it's easier to just bring it up with someone later on. Later on, have a think about it. Make sure you're getting it right. But I understand in the heat at the moment, but that doesn't necessarily make it right. Yeah, I, what I will say is, as football fans, we complain, especially when the team's not doing well. You say players don't care. So for me, I saw that's what I, I saw two players who cared about what was going on. And to be honest, I'm sure it does happen behind. If it happens behind closed door, it happens behind closed door. But it it didn't bother me that they had words with each other. It wasn't anything violent, or they had to be separated. I'm, they had strong words, and I I was I'm all for that. For to be honest, um, you got to sell one. Who would you sell? What's that? <laughs> you got to sell one. Who would you sell? Oh, Larice. <laughs> yeah, Son, son is um, good, isn't he? <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't have too much of a problem. I can see why people have a problem, and I can see why you would say um, leave that stuff behind closed doors. But sometimes, uh, especially with attackers, when they lose the ball and they don't track back, is one of the most frustrating things to see as as a fan. And, well, playing football as well, with people not doing their jobs is quite frustrating and so yeah I didn't I didn't have a problem with it whatsoever I thought it was quite a bit of breath of fresh air because kind of can, see- I have a, can, I play, can I play a bit of devil's advocate for you please go on um because I was going to talk about this a little bit anyway but again we're here now so would that happen under Pochettino oh um, yeah well, well, it didn't happen under Pochettino is it coincidence it's happened six months into Mourinho's tenure I think it is coincidence yeah Reno, you're happy with him? <laughs> no, I, no so I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, uh, two days ago, and I'm not a Spurs fan, but if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be worried that he potentially, players might, might not want to play for him like they used to, because he's a bit archaic in his approach. Yeah, I, I think um, you saw like how it went with him at Man United and... Maybe I was a bit, bit blind, blindly believing that this would be a new chance for Mourinho. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, like, yeah, who knows? Who knows? It, 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 the game can go full circle again, couldn't it? And it, that, like the more pragmatic manager might be more. But I think if you look at Klopp and you look at 
well, Pochettino to a certain, not anymore, but and Guardiola, you look at Mourinho, you just think, mm. yeah. And, 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 the, and the, do you know what it is, right? It's the, in my in my opinion, it's the dealing with egotistical players, right? These players are basically little businesses now, aren't they? Paul Pogba, it's not a coincidence he falls out with Pogba, Hazard, Sergio Ramos. You know, these are big characters in the club, and they almost, and they rightly or wrongly, run the club. Yeah. Now, Mourinho I think, has an issue with that, which. I understand because I think play. I think the manager should be the biggest voice at the club. But for some somehow, Poch, Klopp, they seem to get on a level with players, which kind of goes right. Do your thing, but on game day, whatever training, you, I'm boss. I I I I've pulled the shots around here. You know, it's still. Do, do, do you see what I mean? Put, put it this way, right? As a player, who would you rather play for? Right. I mean, obviously, I know they're winning, but forget they're winning. Uh, Poch, Klopp. Guardiola or Mourinho. Mourinho is a standout person there who doesn't seem very desirable to play for. Yeah, I think like the other three are absolute masters out sort of the man management side of things, and they'll put an arm around. Particularly in this day and age, with this new kind of, I mean, I mean, footballers have always been multi-millionaires, but this new kind of egotistical social media. Paul Pogba's got his own bloody brand. I mean, bloody Jesse Lingard has his own brand for Christ's sake. You know, the guy has zero assists and zero goals. Now that for Mourinho, I'll have a go at him. I'll be like, look. Forget your bloody brand. Give me a bloody assist. <laughs> but it's. I think he has hardship dealing with that. And it's been exposed in the sense that he used to always, whenever it was good at Chelsea, it used to be other managers he'd target. Rafa Benitez, um, Arsene Wenger, obviously. Um, never really did it at Fergie, did he? But it was always other managers he'd target as part of the press conference, the kind of thing. But now... He seems quite pally with lots of managers. He's almost like he was almost about being really respectful about Wenger. Um, never has a go. At, never has a go at Pep anymore. Now the, his own players are the target, and it's like it's like when he when he left Real Madrid or something. He lost something. He lost this kind of. I could be. I could be. I, I, I could be dissecting him too much, but um, I worry that there's an issue with players fight. It could be a coincidence, but I worry if there's a bit of disdain in the background a little bit because players. It's been, it's been proven on Mourinho that players do do that. Uh, yeah, I in this instant, I think, I think Larice and Son are they would probably be the two least likely people to have this sort of on-field fight, which is quite surprising. But um, no, I do agree. Like with uh, Mourinho, it seems like now that he can't, he doesn't have the team to back up when he's targeting other managers. He would go. He would literally be like. Well, go on, John Terry. Go on, Frank Lampard. Drop, but go do go show them. Where yeah, sure. in recent times he hasn't really, he's and he's sort of picking fights with his own players. Maybe that's his way to try and get the best out of them. I, I would disagree. That's the way of going. But well, the thing is, I think the thing is the res, potentially the respect. Mourinho is obviously he likes creating the siege mentality uh, at Chelsea and at Milan. Classic ones, right? Horrible to play against. Defensively sound. Players all love it because they they buy into the siege mentality. Like, you know, like everyone, everyone, the world's against us. We'll take them all on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And like that's all well and good when you come from Porto, you just won the Champions League. That's all well and good when you've got one of the best teams in Chelsea history. We discussed last week. Um, but then that's all well and good when you win it with Inter Milan, and you know they all love it and they're all fighting in the, for you and stuff. But it's not all well and good when you. Been sacked from United on right, in ninth position. You've let, you've let, okay, you won the league at Chelsea. Fair, you got a bounce there at Chelsea, but then you left them in like fourteenth place, didn't he? Um, you know, 
he hasn't won anything. He hasn't won a trophy, I don't think, since the Europa League with United so several years ago. Okay, he hasn't always been in the game. Uh, he was away for a bit, would he? But do you know what I mean? Like, it's easy for that respect to dwindle. I'm obviously very Wenger, so I've, I very much assess Mourinho in a, in a negative way. But it's hard to argue with it at the moment. Yeah, no, and I, I am. I'll always fully back a Spurs manager, um, and it's kind of I always like I want nothing more than our club to do well. So. And I, so I he, hasn't, he hasn't had a window. He hasn't had a summer window yet either in his defence. Yeah, I will make my judgments sort of midway through next season because I mean this season's been crazy uh, without this whole, whole pandemic going on. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I know. And he came into the job with a lot of with the fan base completely divided, and. It, it can't be easy. Well, it's not easy, but... You need to... You need to um, yeah, for, what, for what my assessment of Spurs is, you need to sort out them bloody fullbacks, mate. Like, oh, the yeah. uh, been very strange fullback business. I mean, we've learned that fullbacks, potentially... I know it sounds... It might sound daft to a centre-forward or a centre-midfielder or a centre-back, but potentially the fullback role is almost as important as any other pitch in the position. It's come out of nowhere a little bit, right? <laughs> look, at, look at City. OK, they bought Edison, but it was Carl Walker, Benjamin Mendy... Uh, suddenly they're winning the league title with a plomb. Andrew Robertson and Trent are massive, aren't they? You know, I'm seeing the, the emergence of Tierney and getting really, really excited. Oh, oh, getting excited. Go fullbacks. I'm going to grab Effie. Yeah, no, and well, when uh, I think there was that two season where Spurs, where Leicester won it, and I think Chelsea won it, but Spurs were probably over the period of those two seasons, were the best team in the country and their fullback, the fullbacks were Kyle Walker and Danny Rose. And... Danny Rose, yeah. And the, 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 the interesting one, I mean, okay, I don't want, I'm, just, I'm just sorry, suddenly dissecting Spurs. I don't want to do this, sorry. But like, I, I, you, you sell Walker, fair enough, because obviously, you know, Man City offering mega bucks. And then Tri- Trippi was a natural replacement. You sold him quite quickly afterwards and you left with Serge Ori. And I don't... And then you loan Carl Walker Peters. I, I don't get that. Like, and I, I don't know, Arsenal will do shit business, don't get me wrong. But I'm like, what the hell? Carl yeah, Serge Ori is barely a, barely a right back himself. You know? <laughs> and then, anyway, it's, um, it's, we've all, we've all, loads of, loads of teams have been doing duff business, but that sounds like just lost a key, a couple of key assets there, you know? Yeah, we um, lost our fullbacks, like Carl Walker went and Danny Rose form fell off massively, and we lost our sort of, Solid midfield, and that's why we're having a problem. Well, I believe we're having, yeah, yeah, well, we yeah. haven't lost. We've still got Ali, Sun, Kane, like up front. We've, we haven't lost the attacking ability. It's just no, we don't have no. the foundation. So yeah, we weren't we weren't planning on talking about Spurs' problems at all. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite nice to talk about actually after my rants in the last couple of weeks. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, what were our um, emails saying, mate? Right. So we had. Uh, we had a few emails in. Um, a couple were wading in on our debate from last week. Um, oh, God, what did we get? Right. Well, my brother's gone in. I don't know if you saw the email from my brother, but he, uh, the teacher in him came out and he sent over a nice essay. Um, I'll try and summarise it. Basically, he says um, he thinks that it's between Pep's 100-point team and the Man United treble. Okay, well, that's... I, the main man, the Man City team don't count anymore because I actually thought of this debate afterwards. They cheated, <laughs> so, so they're not they're not in it. They're not allowed to be in it because they cheated. They didn't confine to the rules of financial fair play like everyone else. Did. So they're not they're not relevant. They're not relevant. No, we'll find out. They've got their appeal next. Year, so they might. They're found, I mean, found guilty. It's whether they paid paid lawyers enough to get off with it, haven't they? Like, but so they can't be part of this debate. They cheated. <laughs> <laughs> 
they might be the best team you've seen, but they're not officially. They can't officially be the best team. Well, until they take away their Premier League title from that year, then uh, they'll still be the best. Team. Um, okay, I think that's maybe, that's maybe that's for another day. We did that last week. <laughs> yeah, we did that last week. Um, how, I, how I forgot about that, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Go on. And then we got Neil, uh, who also waded in. Um, he thinks that Mourinho's team, Pep's team, and Liverpool's team this year would probably beat Arsenal. <laughs> um, Mate, do me a favour. What? Yeah, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a defender in there, isn't he? Like, you know, defence. <laughs> you, you can't have the opinion of someone who can only do five kick <laughs> <laughs> And then, so his question, he does, he came up, he asked the question, can you build the ultimate football and mash four players into one? But I've changed this a little bit. So we're going to build the ultimate footballer, but we're going to break it down a little bit more than just mashing four players into one. So from Premier League, past or present or current, yeah, present. Who would you want? Who's got the best left foot? In the Premier League history? Yeah. Easy. Charlie Adam, joking. <laughs> he's up there. He's up there, by the way. Honourable mention. Yeah, he's got a sweet left foot. Um, well, for me, it will probably be... Well, it depends what sort of left foot you're after here. You look, you look, are we looking for a bit of a dribbler? Are we looking for a sweet strike? Because I, I say Hitzelsberg has probably got one of the sweetest strikes of the left foot I can remember. I've... But I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't take his left foot. I would be more inclined to go for Mares or Robin. I would, I was thinking more delivery like technique with the left foot. That's sort of I've I've put Bale down. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Also yeah. just just going back to your thing on Char- Charlie Adam. I actually think when Pete, Pete I've stolen this from the Peter Crouch podcast, but I think he chose uh, Charlie Adam as his left foot. <laughs> oh, Charlie Adam has an absolutely outrageous left foot. Like so good. Like he could put that on a, you know, he could eye the needle sort of stuff, you know, um, sweet as you like. So I wouldn't, yeah, I mean, I was joking, but if that's, if that's the sort of thing you're looking for, just because he couldn't really move that much and didn't have a right foot, we want the best left foot, right? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> um, Ian Hart? Uh, Risa? We got, we got like, I would Joe. Robin's a good shout. I, 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 do you know why I would say Robin? Um, because despite him being all left foot, he's I've still... never seen a player who you know he's cutting inside, and yet he still cuts inside. <laughs> <You know? laughs> show him the right, show him right. Oh God, he's on his left, and I think that's an art in itself. So I, I, I I'd say Robin. I think he, I mean, he had, he had delivery as well. By the way, he can flick a, put it in the top corner. Absolutely no bother. Yeah, no, that's. So, a... I think um, the right foot. Robin or Bell. Let's go Robin, because I think Bale might be able... We can use him maybe later on in one of the other attributes. Okay. Um, so, right, for, I think... I mean, do we Next. need... Yeah, we don't need to discuss it further than Beckham. Um, well, I quite, like the, I quite like the idea of the ability to cut inside on your left with Robin or go on the outside and cross it like Beck. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine, imagine having that in your bloody arm. would <laughs> be ridiculous, wouldn't it? The best winger ever. So, right. I've got next down. I've got heading. Neil Waller. <laughs> He's a great header of the ball. I, I feel like I need to be nice to him now after the fact that he I see pissed out his kick ups, which I know he can't do five. But the um, his heading was fantastic. No, um, not a Premier League football though. One of life's great uh, shames that is, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I would say the best header of the ball. Well, I, I mentioned it before, but I'm telling you now, Olivier Giroud is up there. All right, <laughs> like, that guy wins everything. I think so. I've got. <laughs> we're not, we're not even going to talk about Giroud. <laughs> I think we'll. I wouldn't say I wouldn't when I think of Giroud. I wouldn't think of him being like his heading isn't the first thing that. No, I know what you mean. I hear you. Um, it's okay. got to be well because I'm not going to say Crouch because it's his height. Yeah, gives him a good header. It's got, John Terry, Tony Adams. Well, let's let's say heading in more of an attacking sense. Let's okay, okay, okay. Shearer, I've got Shearer and Les Ferdinand down because. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. So Les, one hundred percent. Yeah, I. I I don't really. Um, no, I agree. Remember his head, but yeah, his his head looks so hard. Like, <laughs> doesn't he look like he's got a really hard head? But yeah. Les Ferdinand, <laughs> I've said it before in here. He's apparently, he's a very nice man as well. So let's get Les Ferdinand in there. Yeah. So Les, it is for heading. So ne- next, we've got passing. Hmm. So I'm thinking more. Who do you want to play that through the eye of a needle, through ball sort of? Can't look far. I mean, can't look far past De Bruyne. I've got KDB down. <laughs> I've, I've got Fabian down as well. More, I know he's got more to do. His career's not over yet. But my God, he's a. I'm very rarely say the F word on the on podcast or on social media. But my God, he can play. <laughs> <laughs> very rarely do I say the F word, and he came out there. It only comes out when I'm describing Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> yeah. No. I, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's so good, man. I love the pointer. Um, yeah. Beyond him, Scozzi, David Silva. David Silva. Fabregas, mm. yeah. Oh, Sesk. Jesus Christ, that's a good shout. Um, I I will go KDB because I, yeah, I think he's... Okay, all right. He was the first person I thought... I, Sesk is... I love Sesk Fabregas, but yeah, I, I would have to... He was the first person that came to Mr. Bruyne, so yeah. So next one I've got... I've just put down speed. So I'm thinking rather than raw pace, I'm thinking maybe travelling with the ball, like speed. Well, then there's your boy, Gareth Bale. Yeah, I'm thinking we could have him there because I think I did have Ronaldo down. Oh, hang on a minute, though. Hang on a minute. Now you've you've talked about that. That's made me think of Ronaldo. That's made me think about Ronaldo's heading ability. Uh, Yeah, that is true. But I can jump higher than a hat like a house. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe we'll just add in jumping ability and we'll have Ronaldo down for that. <laughs> Did you see that clip of him when he they crossed the ball like nine times and they crossed the ball in the dark and he still headed it in? Jesus, I did. I've seen that. No, um, so they, didn't, they crossed it ten times. It must have been a good guy of a good whip and a delivery because it, it was on his nugget every single time. And he uh, headed them all in. It was an open goal. Then they closed close the lights. The guy, I mean, the guy who crossed it must be a genius as well. <laughs> but um, but then he's, no, I think the guy crossed it and then Ronaldo headed it in the dark. Yeah. Um, no, we'll keep Soles. I quite like the idea of Les Ferdinand being in this. Okay, Ronnie maybe jumping, yeah. Yeah, okay, we've got Bale with speed, Ronnie jumping. <laughs> I can't have, um, <laughs> I thought it was a bit harsh on Ronaldo. You yeah. jumping. <laughs> Jump, you're good at jumping, mate. Um, dribbling. Oh, Ronaldo, well, Ronaldo could be there, couldn't he? Uh, so could Robin. I've got... Henri written down here. Oh, yeah. Love that. Love that. But he could... Then there's um, one more category after this, which Henri could move into. So he could have Ronaldo in dribbling. I'll tell you who's up there in dribbling, but you, you won't agree. But Mark Overmars was one of my favourite dribblers when I was younger. <laughs> um, Giggs in there? No, no, we don't have Brian Giggs in anything because he's not a very good... <laughs> 
<laughs> guy's got eight goals for Wales or something, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> well, um, did, did, uh, I think we need to get. I put. Mm, okay, what's the what's the last one? Last one I've got is finishing. Okay, fine. So, okay, fine. So, oh Christ. Um, <laughs> Should we move? Okay, no, 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 we'll give Ronaldo jump in. We'll have Henri as the dribbler. I think I like that. I think he's yeah. I mean, I think that's fair enough. And then. Finishing, Omri was a fantastic finisher, but I think his pace got him a lot of his goals as well as his finishing. Okay. Whereas you look at someone like Robbie Fowler. Yeah. Dwight York. Rude Van Nistelrooy. Rude, absolutely. Aguero. Who, sorry? Aguero, or does he... Aguero, yeah, no, absolutely. Kane. Um, Oh, dear. Probably Aguero. That's, yeah, I... I would lean towards Aguero for pure sort of strikers instinct and finishing. Aguero is one of those guys where when there's a chance and it goes to him, but most of the, probably more than Premier League history, I've gone goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the ball drops to his feet, goal, and it just he's put, got, it always seems to be He's got every type of goal in him as well. So, yeah, no, Aguero. Kane does as well, but I, I think. Aguero just edges it slightly. So, so who's better, Kane or Aguero? I think we've already done this, and I think we. <laughs> I can't remember my answer. It's that close. I can't remember what we said. <laughs> no, we maybe we flipped a coin. But yeah, we'll go. We'll go with Aguero. So we've got left foot, Robin, right foot Beckham, heading Celes, passing KDB, speed Bale, jumping Ronaldo, uh, dribbling Henri, and finishing Aguero. I think that's. The ultimate Premiership footballer. Right? Basically, if you, if you think about it, bear in mind he's the best player of all time. We basically just built Ronaldo, don't we? Yeah, he's, we actually have. Yeah. Uh, well, Messi's right. got a left foot. Messi's got a left foot, though. He's good at finishing. Uh, let's not. Let's save that for another episode. I just. <laughs> we're, we're having a nice. We're having a nice. Got episode. We got this complete footballer in every aspect. So Messi's got a good left foot. He scores lots of goals. <clears throat> Anyway, the last email from Eddie. Um, He put, whilst Arsenal's on beaten season was impressive, uh, he probably would go for City's uh, 100 point season. But anyway, was he? We'll go go for the team that cheated. Okay, uh, we'll go move on to his question. Right. So we're going to mention someone who was brought up earlier. So he's asked, so man of the moment at the is seems to be Mason Greenwood. So do we think he's the real deal or is he just going to be sort of another Man United youth starting well and then slowly fading, i.e. Jesse Lingard? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, actually. I think, Pat, at the moment, it, it, it looks to me like he might be the real deal. I like the way he's kind of both-footed. Um, he's highly regarded as a manager, which is always a good sign. <laughs> um, but, no, I think, he, was he 18, is he? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, but I mean, I you look at both his goals against Bournemouth. Is it Bournemouth? Yeah, yeah, the second one, Pete, wasn't it? Particularly ridiculous, and I, I um, I think sort of he's benefited from this from Man United being in the Europa League this season because he's had a few stars scored a lot. Of, well, he's got 17 goals in all competitions, which I was quite surprised at, but. Mate, no. it would all, all, all depend on what happens at United, wouldn't it? It all depend on what happens with the, if Solskjaer stays there for a few years. He probably will become the real deal because Solskjaer really likes him. He's backing him, and that. But then, for example, if they go and get a, I could get Sancho, and then this. 
Yeah, but Green was more he's more of a centre forward, Green, isn't he? No, I think well Green was been playing sort of in that right hand winger sort of role. Okay. I've seen him as more of a centre I suppose Marshall, but they've got they've got a weird front three in there. Yeah, like I, I think I think he is a striker, but he's playing in that he's got that oh, role. Right. Doing that classic thing as a young player, you don't play your position, do you? You get, you get put up out while I do a job oh, out there. Right. Um, probably, I can't play Jesse Lingard because he's shit. You go out there. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I think he's the real deal, but it will come down. But it's like anything, isn't it? Like, for example, if they go and get a a, a boss who likes to spend money, um, you know, say Potch went there and buys Kane when he's down the pecking order, isn't he? you know, so it's. United are more than willing to spend a lot of money on certain on individual players, particularly strikers. So he could fall down a pecking order, but at the moment he's in, and he looks he looks good enough to me. But he'll, he'll be like Rashford, who have ups and he'll have downs in the in the next couple of years, and it's how long they're willing to stick with him. But I think he's got it, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think he looks quite. He looks quite. Um, he look at his two goals and just both strikes were so pure, and I really you could tell he's got enough foot on him as well. I think he's uh, it's early early days, but I think he's probably got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I hope he does because uh, we've got quite a few good youngsters coming through. Like uh, Phil Foden had a great game against Liverpool last week, and Mason Green was banging them in. So, yeah, long may it continue. I say. Yeah, well, almost. We've almost got too many. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> they all they all come down here at once. Can't fit them all in the same team. It's like Gerard and Lampard all over again. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um. So, we we discuss something, and I think we we want to have a we'll have a little conversation about it. So, do we want to talk about it in general, or do we want to look at the the incident again, the Arsenal versus Leicester incident with the sending off? Yeah, well, I think, I think it's, not, it's not really a um, it's not really a debate. I think we're we're quite aligned on it, aren't we? But I I I was you know, and this is before, before I say anything because everyone knows I'm a gooner. Like this is not me. Angry about the, the decision or the result in the Arsenal Leicester game. I thought that both teams were good for a point. I thought it was a, de- it was a decent first half. Uh, I'll touch on the second half in a minute. Uh, Vardy's goal was not offside, despite Arsenal fan TV idiots saying it was offside. It was not offside. Uh, no problem with the point, no problem with the game. I thought it was fine, right? Um, but it's just <clears throat> the, the second half. I didn't have the pleasure of watching the first half. I was actually working during the first half. Um, but I heard it was a decent decent sort of first half. Obviously, Arsenal won the love. But again, just a decent game. See, Leicester had the first 20 minutes. We had we had a few chances. The second half, I sat down. I was really like, I need to watch this game. I need to watch this game. Sat down. And just, I was just, you know, I think because I was excited to watch it. Again, not because of the way the game went. Stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Like the game was just, it's like, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. We can have 10 substitutions. VAR is on every bloody thing. Um, the water break, and you're like, there was eight minutes of injury time. Honestly, there was about, there should have been about fifteen minutes of injury time. It was just such. And then look, Leicester had the ascendancy. It's not. I'm not even talking about that. Okay, Leicester were, were good, uh, better than they have been recently. But I was just like, I can't. I was always watching about six, seventeen minutes. I was like, I can't watch this, you know. And I think now, now look, a couple of things there. Look, the five subs isn't going to continue. Um, the water break hopefully is not going to bloody continue. So that's uh, fine. It is what it is at the moment, right? Because they played a lot of games. But another thing I've noticed, and this isn't this this game, this is, I've noticed it more and more and more. And this is not me having a go at VAR. I'm not. I think VAR is a good thing. I think it's got a bit quicker. I think it's got some key decisions right. I'm all for VAR. I think it's the rules I don't particularly like in football. There's been a couple of rule changes recently in the last couple of years or so 
No one's asked for these rule changes. And it's just, in my opinion, making the game a bit worse. And not as, and I never thought I'd say that about football because I think football's football, but they're going to keep changing stuff. We need to keep an eye on it a little bit. Do you, do you mind if I continue? Well, I've spoke for quite a long time. but <laughs> yeah, no, no, Keep going, keep going whilst you're on my mate. I'll just kind of finish it off a little bit. So the margin for error is getting for players within fouls, within offsides, is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, okay? it's getting So there was a long... I mean, this is going back a few years now, but like con, the, the big one was in the penalty was was their contact. I was never of this ilk of if there's contact, it's a foul because it's not netball. It's a it's a contact sport. But then we went down this road of like, and this is sort of defined diving a little bit. It's like if, it, or if, it, if there's no contact, it's a dive. But you can definitely dive with contact as well. And that's where we've got, kind of got this very blurry kind of thing where... Offside, sorry, offside. Where you didn't know whether to book them or not. You didn't know if they dived or not because you were looking for contact. But I've, I've sort of digressed a bit. So contact was, was perceived a foul. Now, which is very, very not the game. And now we've got VAR as well, so we're seeing everything. Eddie and Eddie and Ketia's foul against, um, I think it was Ndidi did it on. Um, in my opinion, is not a sending off. And I'm not saying that because Lester got the point. Right? I was. I, I saw it and I went, my, first, my initial reaction was no chance. No chance is that a foul. Oh, sorry, it might have been a booking. It might have been, but it's not. He's, and context to the game, right? People say it doesn't matter. He's just come on the pitch. It doesn't matter that it's wet. It doesn't matter that he's young. All you kind of, and to a certain extent, I agree. But context, a good referee in performance is defined by taking the context of the game. So, for example, if in the first five minutes, someone commits a bookable offence, they usually go, all right, mate, that's one. Next one up, you're getting one. Or in the next couple, you're getting one. You ma- The referee should manage the game and use the rules to protect the players and keep the game flowing. Because we've got VAR, because we've got uh, Eddie Anketi, I would not eat. Part of his game is he's a high presser. He, wants, he does what Arteta wants him to do. He works all day, he closes people down. Exactly what we want. His game will be tarnished now a little bit because of that because he's not allowed to go near anybody. Now, I know he put his foot down on his shin, but he, you're not telling me that he's gone for him there. You're not telling me there that he's... It's not... In my opinion, it's not dangerous. It's a bouncing ball. He's gone to get the ball. He's misjudged it, and he's come down on the fella. I don't think the Leicester players were particularly claiming it as a sending off. It wasn't like one of those ones. They had to look at it 15 times with a bloody camera. So it's not clear and obvious. So why is he getting sent off? It just, and it, as an Arsenal perspective, it just kind of killed the game. And okay, fine, you could argue as a less perspective, it created the game, but it's not a sense. I mean, maybe I'm being biased. Maybe you can tie it up a little bit. But what are your views on some of the things I'm saying there? Uh, right, where do I go? Well, <laughs> <laughs> the point. I think my main point is the margin for error is getting smaller because the rules keep bloody changing, and VAR is seeing everything. So we get this product, which is you can't touch anyone, you can't really tackle, and yeah, and I'm not comfortable with it. No, I think... I'm going to let my dog outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about it, Tom? No, in regards to your sort of comments about there being contact and that sort of side of things, um, I think there's now an art to winning fouls, to winning penalties. Uh, so you sort of invite the contact and then you go down like a sack of shit, which I think is... Are you, are you, are you, are you comfortable with that? No, I, ha- I. It's one of the most infuriating. I even in a, a norm like a game. What game was it? Um, I think it may have just been like Brighton, Man United, 
last week or so. And it, they just players just know when they're in trouble and they will just go down and they know they'll win a foul. And I think that's the one thing that bloody winds me up no matter what. And can I ask you a question? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Since VAR's coming, yeah. can you get booked for diving? Ooh. Uh, I... Is it worth a player diving anymore? And do we know this? Or is it a rule or whatever? Because like, I'm sure... I mean, it didn't happen in the Leicester last game. It happened in a game recently. I can't remember for the life of well, what game it was. You look at the, but, the Tottenham Man United apparently... game. They, the ref gave a penalty in the last minute and then we went to VIR. VAR and it wasn't a penalty, so he's he's dived, hasn't he? What's, uh, <laughs> what's yeah? I think I think the thing is, if it's not a foul, now it's not. There are some instances where it's not a foul and it's not a dive. There are some instances like that, but there are there have been instances I've seen. I can't remember. I think it was at Southampton City. I can't remember. There was a game I watched the other day, and I was like, "Well, that's not a penalty. He's gone down. He's dived. Yeah. Why are we not booking him?" Yeah, but is it? Is, is, do, do we give the benefit of the doubt to the diver now because he's like, "Well, he's not going to dive because we know it, we, we he knows we're going to check it." Like, do players not dive anymore? What do we, do we? Is this a rule? Like, is this something that we? we this part. This is part of VAR, right? Yeah. We but, don't. We know if it's a penalty or not. So why are divers not getting bookings? I haven't seen anyone get. I can't tell you the last time someone got, got booked for diving. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, the, the consistency of bookings for people diving is ridiculous. And I mean, well, I remember when Eduardo, Eduardo <laughs> all Arsenal fans use this. Eduardo missed the game for diving, and he got booked. And the day after, they, the Champions League, they said the only player in history he got retrospective action for diving and missed a bloody game. Like, <laughs> yeah. And then they never did that ever again. It's the most bizarre thing. Yeah, I'm um, just and going on from your so with the Inkatir thing, I think I, I said it to you earlier. It was a it was an orange card, which obviously doesn't exist, but. What my problem was with it is all the replays they were showing for VAR were in slow motion, where it looks hundred times worse. Hundred um, percent, I can't agree with that enough. Like you, it looks worse if you slow it down a thousand times. But yeah, and but what I didn't, I liked how the ref went and used the monitor. But do that straight away. Don't let another referee with a different personality. You're the referee who's been refing that game. You know what's going on in that game. You go over to the monitor straight away. And then well, the, the other interesting thing about the monitor use was the fact that VAR looked at it 15 times over and over and over and over and over again. The ref went over there once, sending off. <laughs> so, are they looking at now? The guy, the guy um, of VAR might say to him, like, yeah, it's pretty much there, but you want to go and check it out. But you would still, you know, if someone's like looking at it 15 times, why is he only looking at it once or twice? Yeah. Like, it couldn't be that conclusive. Are they singing off the same hymn sheet? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and to me, to me, it's a slippy ball. It's a slippy pitch. It's it was pissing down. He's gone in. He's just come on the game. He's just come on the pitch, and he's gone to win the ball. Clearly, clearly gone to win the ball, and he's mistimed it, and he's caught the fella. Uh, I think it, it might have been James actually. I can't remember now, but irrelevant. So he like he's gone for the ball. Okay, he's come down on him in quite a dangerous manner. I, I hear you, but so this is not me having to go at the ref. It's having to go at VAR. If that's what they're told to do, that's what they're told to do. But my God, we're in trouble if 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 you can't actually go to make a challenge just in case you hurt them. <laughs> you know, like it's 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 a blurry line, and, and it, honestly, it's we've got to protect the game a bit more because it's not it's it's it's, it's worrying, especially with VAR being able to see everything now. I didn't really think about VAR in that way. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been saying for a long time that you the art of Slide tackling is going to be ruled out soon. You can't 
tackle anyone. You can, you won't see a crunching tackle like you used to in the next couple of years. It's, um, I've got my I've got quite a few issues with VAR. Like like we're talking about that sending off for Engatier on uh, Tuesday night. I think it was last night. Very similar tackle from Tarkovsky. Only gets a yellow card. Now David Moyes was absolutely fuming about this because it was just as high as. So where's like that's I think it's a bit of a cliche, but it's the consistency of the decisions and um I yeah, I'm concerned that in that side of the game it was gonna be completely eliminated. You won't be able to touch people. Well what it's highlighted also is right, is that is that there is a it, the re- VAR is there to help the ref, and so it should be. And again, it is not an anti-VAR thing. I like VAR. I think it's all right. I think it's taken a bit of time to get used to, and it's taken it's not so slow anymore, uh, which is ironic because I said it took a long time in the after game the other day. But I think while it has tidied up certain rule changes and when it works, it's great. But what it's exposed is is that the referees seemingly because you know the rules are the rules aren't quite singing off the same hymn sheet. You know, they're not quite... Uh, if, if the Tarkovsky one's not ascending off and the, and the Eddie one is, then and it's a sort of challenge, then there's an anomaly there, isn't there? You know, now, of course, you can't have 100% consistency. I get that. But there's enough instances here to go, do we need to relook at these rules a little bit? And while we're... And my, my point is, while we're relooking at these rules, <laughs> while we're relooking at these rules... Why don't we make it a bit better to protect the game a little bit? Because it's going a little bit fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. No, I um, my I don't have so much of an issue with VAR as in it's the it's the technology's there. We you and we're using it. It's just we're using it too much and we're scrutinising everything. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree. Like the Vardy goal that went in, I was like, okay, that looks a little bit offside. There's no point in getting worried yet. I'll wait a couple of minutes. Yeah. (laughs) You're completely right. I've actually, I went to Southampton away, Spurs Southampton away in the FA Cup. Uh, When Sun scored, I didn't, I did not celebrate at all because in the build-up, I could see Deli Alley ran into a a Southampton defender and knocked him over. And I was like, they're they're not going to allow that goal. And they did. And then when it came to like, oh, no go, I didn't celebrate. I was just like, oh, that's a relief. So, yeah, same is it. It's not, no. And I, it's really, it's so frustrating that you can't, the best feeling of watching football is that feeling of when that the ball hits the back of the net and then you can just let loose, you can jump around, you can hug whoever. But yeah, at the moment, like even watching on TV, I'm sort of, oh, the ball goes in, I'm like, Ooh, well, let's have a look. It's so hard. Place. It's so hard. The, the classic one for me, the biggest sort of say, stadium sucking atmosphere moment I can remember with VAR was in the Champions League last year between Spurs and Tottenham when Sterling scored. Now, it's such an interest. It's such a hard one, right? Because unbelievable moment, scores in the last minute, City going through, Spurs are going out, right? But at the end of the day, VAR, VAR got the decision right. Like, you know, so... Yeah. so you can't argue with it. You want the right decision. But the worry is when you have a moment like that, 
City fans, and bear in mind they've had big moments in City, Aguero, Aguero and all that. Imagine the Aguero moment after he's taken his top off and he's run off into the distance and all the fans are running back into the same, everyone goes crazy and they go, oh. Oh, in, in the build-up, his heel was one centimetre off the Now, I know they would show the screen and the, and the celebration would be after the screen, but that is not the same as the ball hitting the back of the net and you celebrate. There's a, there's a, there's a disconnect there a little bit. And I don't know how you sort it out, but it's, it's... And the more your team gets have to have a VAR decision either for or against them, the more you won't even care if the ball hits the back of the net. It'll be, what does that screen say? And that is worrying. Yep, no, and... Uh, speaking from being in the ground at Spurs and, you know, you sort of, you, you, yeah, you are, the only goals you can properly celebrate are probably goals from a direct free kick. Cause, but even then, that's you never know. So I think there's definitely room for improvement. And I think maybe they need to slightly change the rules a bit. Maybe like the offside rules, um, like, we don't need to get the lines out and the measure and see how, like, if a striker's toe is one centimeter in front of the defender, is that is that much of an advantage? Is he gaining? Oh, I, would, I would change the rules. This Wenger Wenger rule thing. This uh, you well, that? Any like, part of the body has to be in line with. If, you're on, you're on. if, if there's part of you that's on, you're on. So people will time their runs. They become an art. Yeah. No. Rather I, than. Yep. No, I'm saying rather than being terrified to make a run, <laughs> yeah, like no, the RB, the RB spring, you would literally, you would literally spring the offside trap. And you can check VAR. There's less time, there'd be less reason to check it. Okay, you could argue that the, the margin is still the same because it's obviously going in the other direction, but it'll be more goals. Um, I don't know the stats on this, but I'm pretty certain I read somewhere that there's been like, I think, five or six goals given for VAR, as in like it's found a goal and not something crazy high, like 30, 40 goals disallowed. That's, I've made up them stats, but it's like kind of like it's way more It's way more in the disallowed. Yeah, and let's, uh, let's not forget, football is an entertainment business or a sport. Right, yeah. We want to see goals and we don't want, I mean, the handball rule is an absolute joke, um, but that needs changing. But because that's yeah, well, no one, no one asked for that handball change. No one, it, was, it wasn't a thing. Like, look, if you score with your hand, fair enough. But this whole like in the build up nonsense, nah. Like, there is, there is such an exact extent of handball. You can't put your hand somewhere sometimes, you know. And yeah, I just think we're we're, 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 we're not not yet, but it could become lots of penalties, lots of disallowed goals, lots of looking at screens, and no contact. Great. And then only that. like four minutes added on time at the end, which is another thing that pisses me off. What's going up and up and up and up? And I get the whole subs and the and the VAR thing increases the time, but anyway, look, we won't, we'll stop ranting. We don't want to be too negative on here. Let's talk about <laughs> something, something great and very special. What is your obviously this weekend is North London Derby? We're going to touch on it for about sort of five minutes or so. What is your overall perception as a Spurs fan with the North London Derby? Uh, well, I'd start by saying it's uh, now. I can I think I'm being biased, but I think it is the best. Derby in the Premiership, maybe in England. Um, definitely the most entertaining. I've, how often do you see a boring nil-nil against us? Um, but as a, you know, I don't know when the nil-nil was actually. I couldn't no, tell you. Well, Q one on Sunday. Um, no, I I actually dread North London Derby Day. It's probably the most nervous I get when it comes to football. I absolutely like some people like. As soon as the fixtures are now, so like the first thing I do is look at when the North London derby is. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I definitely don't do that. God, I, I think 
Well, first of all, we said about there's not been many nil nils. Well, we haven't had a Mourinho North London derby, have we? <laughs> I think, I think yeah. I'll, I'll take a Mourinho park the bus nil nil at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, I think my my perception has changed on it in the last few years um, purely because. Arsenal fans obviously had the league titles and the top, uh, you know, many, 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 well, many years ago now, 2004 was our last league title. Um, so obviously we're talking 16 years ago now, so that's not really a thing anymore. So for a long time, we had the top four. Um, it was about getting into the top four, which, you know, is what it is. It's something that is something that is handy for the club. You can track certain players, you get more money, you get a Champions League run, whatever. Um, and then obviously the further with the emergence of City, Chelsea, um, recently Liverpool and stuff kept us even from getting the top four. So, but beyond that, for a long time, it was top four, and because Spurs got pretty good pretty quickly. And uh, well, I mean, they were probably a bit more inconsistent under Redknapp and Andre Vejas Boas, but like obviously a lot better under um, Poch and. For me, it was like top four and keep above those bastards. That was that was kind of my thinking about the, the North London derby. And for some reason, we always play about six or seven games left, and we were always about th- three to six points away from you, either ahead <laughs> of you. So that was kind of why it was such an important game, particularly that second one. Um, we also had that record. I think we went undefeated about twenty times against you, and I was quite protective over that. Then there was a game. I think it was two nil. And, and, and in the Premier League, sorry, so not. I think you you, you duffed us five uh, one in the in the in the at White Hart Lane once. I remember, but that was in the Carling Cup. In the league, it was like 20, 20 years undefeated or something, or twenty years finished above you. Yeah, and and I, I was very protective over that. And then when during the latter years of Vengo, when it wasn't so good, and you were obviously very very good with Kane and you know out of Ireland and Deli Alley and stuff. Um, you beat us 2-0 in a very comfortable fashion at White Hart Lane, which kind of broke the record. I think that might have been... No, I think you'd already beaten us. So you'd beaten us, which was obviously a thing. Uh, that I lost a lot. Not... I love the North London derby in the sense of like it's a big occasion and stuff, but that kind of protective kind of feeling around it, uh, the awe around it, the kind of the fear factor that I think you're talking about, I've lost that a bit. I still want to beat you, don't get me wrong. But... A lot of it went on that day when Spurs beat because it was just it was you know obviously it's going to end eventually and stuff but it was just such a long run it was great and then you finished above us um, which and very rightfully so you're a far better side um, yeah so that's kind of gone a little bit but so I I'll be honest with you I don't look at it as oh I've got to finish above Spurs it's now it's handy if we finish above Spurs um, but I don't look as in like we have to and if we beat you of course I would like to beat you but. It's um, it's not for me personally. It's not quite as deep rooted passion and hate as it used to be. Yeah, no, I I do agree. I think some fans, maybe the elder fans, it's all about sort of finishing above one another, and I think that's a little bit maybe maybe it's because we're a bit younger. That I think that's a bit uh, small club minded. I mean, obviously we're not small clubs, but just no, I, and yeah. I, I I um. I think maybe growing up and just, I mean, we hadn't, we only won like once against you in so many years. I think Sherwood, I think Sherwood scored the winner. That's how long ago it was that you, I sort of went into North London derbies and just thought, oh God, we're going to get tonked. Let's just make sure yeah, we don't it's get smashed. It's probably the reverse effect a little bit for Spurs fans, doesn't it? I guess a bit more protective over it now because you, you, you have clearly been better for a while. Yeah, I think like, and do you find it weird that we always play at the Emirates sort of November, October time and the return fixtures always, well, obviously not this one. Is, yeah, it, always, it always seems to be that way around, doesn't it? I don't know yeah, why that I is. Don't it always... it, but no, I'm, I, yeah, I don't like, I just don't like. Yeah, um, 
See, that makes sense what we just said there a minute ago. That makes total sense. Like, it would make total sense for Spurs fans. The teams who are protecting it are more likely to be nervous, aren't we? Because you've got, it, you've got something to lose. Whereas the other team, and Spurs have always been in the hunt. So it makes sense that maybe you weren't, not not not, not bothered about it, but going into thinking, oh, we'll just see what happens. We'll try and nick something. Um, now we're very, very similar. And we've, I think the thing is as well, like, we've both got lots of problems at the moment. <laughs> we've both got lots yeah. to sort out. So it's just a bit of a bonus hit to feel better, isn't it? Like yeah, more than it, it would I be. Mean, in this case, it's sort of because we're so we're so close, and it is. I mean, I don't think either of us are going to get um, Champions League football, so it's a, sort of a shootout for Europa. But I think this is maybe more. This is actually for bragging rights more than any sort of yeah, um, bit of momentum. Yeah. So no, maybe yeah, but even just for bragging rights, I'm still like maybe I'm nervous because of like how Spurs are playing at the moment and. Um, and obviously, obviously, a crowd not being there changes it as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I mean, different. that would. I think most of the games we've played at home, the crowd probably would have made some sort of difference. But the North London derby, yeah, I, I can't. My, um, my, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful to Spurs because two of my funniest moments in football have, have come from Tottenham Hotspur. Um, would I was? Do you know what? I'm trying to think of what they might be. Go on. <laughs> There's two, two, two. But one, one I actually was actually ruffling, I think, at one point, <laughs> rolling on the floor of laughter. Yeah, you just just explain that for all our. Yeah, I was actually, one of them. I was actually, I was actually rolling on the floor of laughter. I couldn't even, even Tottenham overdid that. I mean, like I say, I'm, we're allowed to talk about this now and take the piss a bit because Spurs have been a lot better than us for a while. So okay, when uh, was the Newcastle last game of the season? One hundred percent. That was one of them. That was the one where I ruffled because I was like, I did not see it. We've been so bad this year. How the hell have we finished above them? <laughs> the league, like three games before that, you lost to like Southampton, then you lost like was it like five one to like a ten man Newcastle team, <laughs> relegated as well. Um, Most bizarre, bizarre game ever. So little funny story. So that yeah, you, the last. The penultimate game was Southampton at home. So our last ever game at White Hart Lane when it was fully, uh, when it wasn't like part knocked down. And at the end of the game, so we were 1-0 up, I think, and we lost 2-1. And at the end of the game, they'd done like a 360 photo of White Hart Lane. And we'd obviously just lost. So if you look, they took that photo. And if you look, you can see me and Ish, we're sitting next to each other. We're literally, everyone's standing up. We're sitting down with like our heads in our hands. Like, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe we're going to throw this away. And then, yeah. Um, I think I think you had I think you had Chelsea, Southampton, and then um, Newcastle. That's right. And you basically had to just win one of them. And I was like, fucking bloody hell. I mean, Chelsea at home. Chelsea, I mean, um, Chelsea weren't firing all cylinders. Leicester won the league that year, didn't they? So it was kind of like Chelsea were, at home would have been a was it at home you played Chelsea? No, it was away to Chelsea. Away, clean it up, but. yeah. And then uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you're two nothing against Chelsea. And I was like, that's it. They finished above us. Bloody. Finally, are they annoying? And then they got back to all, and I was like, okay, they haven't done it yet. But I was like, oh, and I looked at the fi- I remember looking at the fixtures, and I was like, oh, I've got Southampton at home. Bob. And you, you were away, <laughs> you were away to um, City as well. Oh, were you? Okay, well, that one I probably looked at. I thought, okay, they'll struggle there a little bit. And then, no, no, no. So then... sorry, we were at home to Southampton, and you were away to City. So, and I think, oh right, okay, we, we must have won that then. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't. Know. I, I've, I've, I don't. Know. It was all stacked against us. But I remember those fixtures. I remember looking at Southampton and thinking, oh, God. And then I saw it was 2-1. I was living in Dubai, so I remember even looking at the scores. And I was like, oh, my God, they lost that. Bloody hell. And I looked at the next one. I was like, oh, Newcastle, for Christ's sake. And then it was like 5-1. I was like, what has happened? Like, yeah, I, so that was one. What was the other funny one? 
for an Arsenal fan and non-funny for the Spurs. It's quite obvious, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. It's when um, you're the only team in history to finish fourth and not get Champions League football. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah, that was a bloody Ian's wedding as well. How annoying. And the funny thing was, after that, the year after, they went, oh, bugger, that was a bit annoying. We'll change the rule. <laughs> yeah, change the bloody rules too. <laughs> Only are you the only team to finish fourth and not get top four? You're the only team ever to get a job, unless we know that obviously the top three. But you're the only team ever that will finish in a position that gets you something and then it be taken away from you. I, unbelievable! I know. That's why I love And we finished third. We ran, and that was one where we were fighting for third and fourth, and we nicked third, and you got fourth, and then you got binned out. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a nice wedding for our go to watch. Was a drop it equalising like the 90th minute and then win on penalties. <laughs> Gareth Bale left that summer, so you might have kept Gareth Bale if you got a Champions League. Who knows? Yeah, and Hazard also was going to... Well, obviously, we don't know for 100%, but he was very... We were favourites to sign him until he, Chelsea won the Champions League and he decided to join them instead. So, yeah. I think the one is... Uh, you don't really talk about it anymore, but very Spursy. <laughs> yeah, very, very... Like, I, can't, I hate that word as well, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, good. Good stuff, man. Enjoyed that. So we'll look forward to the North London Derby. Obviously, it's a uh, double. So we're doing double quick. So I don't have to do a shot then, do I? No, you don't do nothing. It's great. So this, is, this, is, this feels very Spursy. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, the, all the things are in my advantage, and you can really badly lose. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how this could, could get even worse. And. <laughs> Losing North London <laughs> Derby and doing a double shot. What's going to be the score? Pardon? What's going to be the score? Right. Um, North London Derby. We're going to go. So this it's going to be 2 1. We're going to go 2-0 up. You're going to score quite late, and then it's going to be a, a terrible, like really nervy last 10 minutes for Spurs fans. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going 3 1 to the Arsenal. Oh, okay. So lots of goals. Any red cards? It's got to be a red card, isn't it? Um, probably Granite Xhaka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a no red card. I think it's going to go one all, and then we'll um, we'll nab it at the end. A Bamiang with a brace and a. Uh, oh, so you, and a, you think you'll be two one up, like lots of Spurs pressure, and then you'll just score the third? Yeah, yeah. I think we'll go one nil Arsenal, one all, two one, three one, and a Bamiang will get a brace, and your boy Saka will get the other one. Your boy Saka. All right. Well, um, roll on the North London derby and. Good luck. Of course, what we named this episode? Oh. Who have we talked uh, Ronaldo. <laughs> Ronaldo. We called it Ronaldo. The best Ronaldo's jumper. Good. <laughs> we'll, call it, we'll call it Ronaldo, the best jumper in Premier League history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, we should, maybe we should get a jumper made of that. <laughs> That'd be our first merchandise. <laughs> yeah, the best jumper. Then just have Ronaldo. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Ronaldo from there. Yeah, oh mate. It's yeah. gold. Caught some, <laughs> some of that merch. <laughs> well, to, uh, keep an eye out for the uh the Kick of the Balls website with this one jumper available. <laughs> <laughs> Best jumper in the program. Yeah. I don't know what the budget is though. Might have to go like fruit of the loom or something. I don't know. <laughs> 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 no offense anyone who wears fruit of the loom. It's really fruit loom's not that expensive, is it? No, that's quite cheap. It used to be quite expensive. I don't know. I don't know. I got through. That's old school through the loom, isn't Fruit it? Like loom is old school, yeah. Very yeah. old. Well, well, let you go because I know you want to go and watch the Spurs game. I might watch. The, watch the, I don't know. If Spurs are playing. It was Spurs playing. We're away to Bournemouth, so 
Well, it can't be them. Well, Christ, you don't deserve it. <laughs> they've lost five in a row, so let's see how this one goes. Nil-nil. Nil-nil still, yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, mate. You know, Mourinho, going away to Bournemouth, that's a good result for Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> I can't even, like, try and defend it because it's true. <laughs> you can't try to defend it because all your boys are currently defending. That's what I... <laughs> yeah, at least someone can bloody defend it, yeah. <laughs> oh, all right, mate. All right, have a good one. Yeah, take it. I enjoyed that. All the best. Yeah, I'll catch, we'll catch up with you all next week, next Thursday, as per, and we'll be talking about Arsenal's three-one victory. <laughs> Piss off. All the best for me. Bye bye. Thank you. <laughs>